everybody. It's me, Matt Tinney, and Jen Earhart. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Matt. Last week, we had the privilege, so to say, of having Niels, because you didn't want to do a podcast with me, Jen. <laughs> How was Niels? Um, I think he misses doing podcasts. Oh, you should have him back. I don't think that you take... Um, I don't think you, you take as much credit for how awesome podcasts are. Me? Yeah. Um, maybe I don't. Maybe you're right on that, actually. I, I think you should start your own podcast about your books. About the books yeah. I read? Just like reviewing books yeah, that I read? It could be called The Librarian. <laughs> no one would there listen to that. Guaranteed. No, I feel it, like the first yeah. original podcast was books on TV. <laughs> yeah. The first time that, that anyone... Someone probably thought about, oh, it'd be nice to have a books on tape, but someone talking about a different topic. Mm-hmm. That's where a podcast That's how probably started. Podcast came from. Um, you may be right, but you're wrong about people listening to a podcast done by me, where I just review books. I doubt it. No one would listen. I doubt it. So we just got off of a, a call with some unique uh, things that we're doing with the State Technology Network, and I was just thinking about that. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the um, conferences we'll be at? Um, so exciting news for the CAT Knowledge Network was that we have been accepted into the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference, um, and that's an annual conference this year. It's in October in Philly. Philly! Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're going to be there. Our Matt and Niels, Dr. Rosenbaum, will be talking about the CAT Knowledge Network Um what it is that we're doing, how to replicate what we're doing, how it's impacting um, training here within APD. So some of our early results from the evaluation of this project. Um, uh, The CIT Knowledge Network is being evaluated by the University of New Mexico Department of Psychiatry. Um, So they're doing a lot of really cool things, um, trying to figure out, you know, what the impact of this project is on police departments they are joining. so we do surveys and interviews and things like that. So anyway, some of that data will be presented at IACP in October. And then also, um, I guess we're doing a webinar for the National Association of Counties. Um, and that's a... NACO. NACO. Which I looked up because I thought it sounded odd. And if you guys Google NACO, you'll find some interesting photos. Yeah, I wouldn't Google image NACO, but... Well, um, <laughs> it popped up. It's like I Googled NACO, just oh, N-A-C-O. Just, right. And I was like, what are these images, images attached to it? I don't know why that stuff came up. I have no clue, but I have a feeling it's slang for something bad. Yeah. Because oh. there is a lot of them. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> you should bring that up to them, right? Yeah. Have you guys Googled yourself right. recently? Do you Google people? Oh, all the time. Do you really? Who haven't I Googled? <laughs> Do you consider like Google stalking? No. I, I, I feel like it's like a common thing that people no. like Google people. Matt, let me tell you, as a millennial, <laughs> like you're getting me on a hot topic. So as a millennial, just growing up with technology, and I don't think it's just me. I don't think this is particular to me, but like... Before I like meet most people, I'm gonna Google them. Like, give me an example. Is this Why like Google every... you? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no. It, you know, after my job interview or whatever, right. um, for this position, and um, I guess um, my boss at UNM was said, "Hey, you, you're gonna be working with this detective, Detective Tenney," and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Immediately, like when I left that meeting, probably on my phone in the car, I was like, "Who is Detective Tenney?" Into Google. Um, yeah, I don't think anything. I Google myself all the time to make sure nothing weird is coming up. But if I have a meeting with someone... Oh, my goodness. I there's odd images. If you just type in Detective Tinney. 
What type of images? There's me at a donut shop. Oh, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's two or three of you at a donut shop. Yeah, there's three of me. <laughs> well, I was uh, a little hefty then. There's the one that's me. As also, if you look up missing children in New Mexico, that pops mm-hmm. up. So, wait, are you asking me if I Google image people or if well, I, I just, just Google at this? Them? I don't Google image people. No, but when you Google stuff, there's a PowerPoint slide, me at a donut shop, and then my random face. That sums it up, right? Yeah, that's my life. PowerPoints, donuts, Donuts and random face. face. Interesting. So you Google Google stuff. accurate. Yeah, I mean. And what did you find about how awesome I am? Well, I found donuts (laughs) PowerPoint in your (laughs) face. (laughs) There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff you can find um but sometimes people <laughs> oh no oh uh, here we go slippery no. slope uh, so sometimes i'll google people that like we're meeting with um just to make sure like you know who they are what they're doing you know there's a lot of weirdos out there i don't know <laughs> but sometimes people won't like hide their pinterest or their facebook or their instagram or their blog where they write really weird stuff and so right. i would just have to like that would be my like public service announcement for today is like if you're gonna you know be someone who's a pretty public person you know don't make those social media accounts there's a way to make them private yeah you know or if it is public and you're gonna be a public figure you you gotta watch what you say or even just anyone there has to be an example that's the rule there has i'm not gonna give the example this is coming from some some you've done this and we're like what the f yeah was this like dating? Was this some like dating thing? Like I'm gonna oh. look up this guy. No, and he's like, if it's, got the duct tape meeting her tonight. <laughs> if it's dating, I will definitely get on like Facebook, Instagram. Usually those are the only two. Maybe Twitter, but you know, and I'll just go through those posts. You know, I've started Instagramming. <laughs> Have you? Like a lot. That's Bonnie of makes what? fun of me and says that I'm I'm addicted to Instagram. What are you Instagramming? What do you think I'm Instagramming? Donuts, faces, <laughs> <No>. and powerpoints. <laughs> Check out this PowerPoint. <laughs> Check out this sick PowerPoint. <laughs> Look at this graphic. No, right. really. What, what do you think? I'm a. I'm taking pictures up and putting on Instagram. Um, it's either something really weird or just totally normal. I'm assuming pictures of your bike. It's all biking. It's correct. all biking Pretty stuff. Much, yeah. What are you posting pictures of your bike over and over again? Yeah. It's that's it. Well, no, like, normally when I'm biking, like, what I'm seeing, things like that. Mm-hmm. Are they, it's just a lot of landscapes? Yeah, it's a lot of landscapes and bike pictures, like, oh, this is a bike leaning on something. Here's, here's a bike handlebar looking at something. That's what bike nerds look at. I look up on Instagram and I search, like, cycling, and I search mm-hmm. bicycle race, and I see lots of pictures of bikes leaned against things. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's so cool. Such a great idea. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the best thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> I won't lie, that's I just what like they are. see you like on your phone or like trying to like stage <laughs> your your bike against That's exactly some what happens, Jen. That is What so do you cute. put on Instagram? Um I, okay. Um what do I put on Instagram? I don't put a whole lot. There's a there's pictures of my pets, obviously. Um the food that I'm eating and the cities that I'm traveling to. You know, I tend to like Do you really travel. do the food thing? Like hold on before we eat. <sighs> That well, so I've been Wearing trying your to. Eggs and your I, Starbucks cup. Well, no. Um, Look, there's my bike leaned against some brushes. Oh my gosh, you're not lying at all. <laughs> I'm not. It's just like, let's see what your whole profile is. It's just that. It's no. Oh look, there's one of coral. See, I have my children. Look, there's bikes. There's the whole race Whoa. we did. See, 
Your life looks so exciting here. It does. <laughs> when in reality, again, it's See, look, mostly donuts bike, and PowerPoints. Bike, Those are donuts, right? Bike. Oh, I really do have. Oh man, I really do have a picture of donuts. You are just living the stereotype today. Yeah. Look, this is my favorite one. Can you say it to everyone listening? There's a photo. Oh, no, don't describe it. I said say it. Beach, better have my money, and it's. An old man looking <laughs> <laughs> I don't no. know why. I find this oh, the funniest no. shirt I've ever seen. You're getting so old. Oh, I am. Uh, I want to look at pictures of bicycles. Don't, don't laugh at that so hard. Oh. <laughs> Beach, where's my money? <laughs> this metal detector, that's hilarious. It's, look, I have a video of a chicken that's hopping. That's like a shirt that you find in like Miami or, oh, where's that trashy place in Florida everyone goes to? I've just probably finished. Well, it. Yeah. Uh, what's the one, everyone? Daytona Beach. Well, no, no, it's not Daytona. There's another know. one that like you get shirts like that. Is it Fort Lauderdale? Because we're going to be going there. That's right. CAT if anyone's listening here, we'll be presenting at CAT International. Come say hi. You should do a podcast from CAT International. I was thinking about that. I don't should, know with who though. Well, yeah, you should. If anyone out there listening wants to be on the podcast, going to CH International. And if you guys would like chance. to be in some pictures of me in skin tight spandex next to a bicycle, let me know too, because I'm a big Instagrammer now. Well, you just had to make it weird. Why? That's what you Instagram well, if you're a cyclist. I, none of those photos are you in spandex pants, though. Yes, it is. Some... Let me find one. I'll, I have, they're all over the place. Well, maybe you should cut back on this spandex. I can't help it. Instagram photos for, or maybe cut it down to just like a few. I'm a thing. I'm addicted. I never thought I'd get into Instagram. I, I love Instagram. It's probably the social media platform I use the most. How how do you use it? So I, what I use it for the most is not like necessarily me posting, but I'm following like my favorite restaurants, coffee shops, um, music festivals. Um, and following what they post and seeing when they have specials or when they have a new beer out, like Marble. How, how do you know they have a new beer? So, like, Marble Brewery is a pretty popular um, right. brewery Do you just here. know what their beers look like? So you're like, that one's a more golden tint. No, That's they'll, a new um, beer. So they'll post a photo of a picture of someone holding a beer or something. They'll be like, oh, out today, this new whatever. Lager. Oh, it actually has wording on it? Yeah, and it'll tell you what it is, what location you get it at, what food truck is there that night. And the other thing I like to do is search hashtags kind of like what you were doing so that's like, what i do that's the only way i can figure out how right to do this. and i think people i like doing that so i went to new orleans recently right so i like to get on and search various new orleans hashtags before my trip because i feel like locals are posting cool stuff that they're eating at there and i don't want to google something because it's going to be very generic right i wonder what people are actually doing and eating and seeing i've so. never thought of that but can you tell by the pictures like if right. you did like hashtag whatever New Orleans or you know NOLA is it gonna and there's a picture of a food how do you know where that food's well from? usually I'll do that a multiple hashtag like NOLA food NOLA food truck NOLA jazz NOLA something follow your NOLA I'll look up maybe I'll start with like what are the wait can you search multiple hashtags at once um I'll put in a bunch of words at once I don't know if that's I what never you knew mean. you could do that mm-hmm. I'll search like cyclocross and then I'll search cyclocross bike. Why don't you do cyclocross do bike Denver or... You are going to... I'm going to change your way. It's going to get worse. You, yeah. <sighs> Wait, okay. And so it pops up and you see a picture of food. How do you know Yeah, so I'll just scroll through it, click on the photo. And usually if someone's Instagramming properly, appropriately, if you will, they'll put where they are. 
So that's how I found out about. How do I search this? Because I just did this under tags. It says nothing. Um, or did you just do it under top? Maybe, yeah. Maybe no one's posted. I feel on that. like you've. Um, I feel like this led is going to be a boring podcast if we're just on our phones. No, people don't know how to do Instagram. We're walking them through it. So how do you, do you? How do you tell someone to follow you on Instagram? If people want to see me and my my bikes, you. how do I tell them to look me up? Well, what's your name? My name's Matt Tinney. Is it just Matt Tinney? Well, it's Matthew Tinney. What's your What's your username on here? Oh, if you want people <laughs> to like find my you. Name. <laughs> oh, it's who me Matt. Who. Me, me, Matt, two T's. Yeah. So I'm going to type that in to people and boom, there you come up. And again, your profile isn't private. I know. it's not So I can just see anything. What does that say? Go Listen to the podcast. Oh, you have the podcast on here. Jen and a little policeman. Now I'm just looking through all your photos of bikes and donuts. Wow, you are posting a I lot told on you. here. Oh I my told God. you. Bonnie made fun of me. It's a, it's, I have like 10 photos on my All right, list. what's yours? Well, you can't see it because it's private, but oh. I can show you. So that's New Orleans. There's Vermont. There's Santa Fe. It's mostly places. You take pictures of outside? Seattle, Portland. There's Look my at this macarons. first video that you can see. Oh, that's gross. Take it away. Why? It's a snake. Yeah, the only things I search on here is cycling pictures and reptiles. Oh, is that God. not odd? Yeah. Sometimes well, I need a break and cycling pictures. Odd and just, sad. Nice. And How is that sad? I don't know. Like, everyone else is using Instagram for, for cool food. things. For and food, food and cool. drinking and, like, traveling. And you're on there searching snakes. I think bicycling bicy- is, like, traveling. <laughs> it's seeing part of the world that you're not used no, to seeing. No, I think your bike photos. Whoever, uh, what's your username again? Everyone should go. And <laughs> no, <laughs> make fun of me. It's who me, Matt, all together. Um, there, there's, some of them are really nice. I mean, and a lot of them, I'm guessing, are from New Mexico and Colorado. Um and those are some of the most beautiful states in the country. So there's some great photos on there. Yeah. The only Good reason why I started to do Instagram was I was looking at getting a new bike. And so yeah. I was trying to figure out where can you find pictures of bikes, you know, mm-hmm. and just see if people are using them. And so I did Instagram and then I'm like, I want to start putting Your up pictures whole world changed. Yeah. I, I have a question like for you. Now. Do you put filters on your photos? Do you know? I know. Sometimes I edit them. You do? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I thought, uh, yeah. I edit the ones with my kids. That's to make cool. them fancier looking. My mother has an Instagram and she doesn't put filters on and she'll post like really blurry photos or photos where people's heads are cropped out. And I'm like, that's odd because you have to work to be bad at Instagram because it's supposed to make your it's photos easier. better. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what I've enjoyed. See, like I did that one. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a little different. Pretty. See, mm-hmm. a little different. It's a picture of my daughter with one balloon running away. It's very artsy. Yeah. I'm an artist, Jen. You are. <laughs> You have, have you just figured soul. that out right now? I don't know if we... Yeah. I'm sorry, Jen. What do I get paid for at work? I get paid for my vision. You too, right? Okay, Jen. I'm an artist. You get paid to protect the people, though. <laughs> With a vision. With your vision. <laughs> okay. I guess I guess I like that, because it is kind of art. It's kind of You should express artistic. yourself. And, and social media can be fun. And The one thing I can't do, and I do a lot with the uh, nonprofit, is Twitter stuff. Yeah, but I don't know how to interact on Twitter. I mainly just post like, oh, look, this agency's got a new CIT program or check out this program. Yeah. But some people like talk on Twitter. I can't mm-hmm. figure that out. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not any good with Twitter. I think I got a Twitter 
for like a class or something. What? I had to like do something with Twitter for one of my classes in grad school or something. And so I got it for that and set it up. And that was the only, and I'm, I don't know what my, I don't know how to log back in. To your Twitter account? Yeah, I have a Twitter. I've never posted anything. I, I don't know what my name is, but I think I have like three fan, friends and three followers. And I really don't know how I ever got into Instagram. I really don't. Well, bikes. I kept making fun of people for it, and then I think that's what got it. Look. Look at me, Jen. No, oh, no. Yeah. We're not doing one now, Yeah, you're going we? on right now. Oh, but it's so horrible today. Point out your shirt. Let me see your shirt. Why are we going to talk so, about this? So, Jen, what are you wearing on your shirt? Because I try to well, send you home a, how many times now? I can't take a photo. It's too many things happening. Please don't post that on your Instagram. Uh, what are you being serious? I want to. Well, I have to look at the photo and approve of it first. Oh, we'll, we'll redo that for sure. Wait, are you being um, serious right now? Yeah, you can't post that. Why? I look so bad. You look, are you kidding me? You're like an 80 pound woman. You could not look fat in that. You're no, I said I look shirt. bad. I don't like the way my hair. I'm... All right. It's a whole thing. Anyways, can we talk about the shirt? Yeah. Okay. What are you wearing that I try to send you home? And by the time people hear this, they'll already know. I know. We'll know the, the winners, right? Yeah. I decided to wear my Nashville Predators hockey t-shirt. It's not even... A hockey t-shirt. It's not a jersey. It's a hockey t-shirt. Well, like it's this a guy in a hockey helmet. It doesn't even say Predators on it. It's just all it. Oh, what does it say? There's a keep Nashville bearded. Yeah, it's a, kind of an outline of one of our bearded players. I believe Ryan Ellis. I'm assuming. I actually don't know which bearded one this is. It's it probably a generic say. bearded player. Yeah, for it's, playoff that's beard. true. Playoff beard. Um. So, anyways, I'm from Nashville originally. Woo, go Preds. They're in the Stanley Cup Finals. I hope they win. They will lose, but go ahead. Matt is a Penguins fan, so this has created a major riff between the yeah. two of us. There's a great divide between us now, Matt. Yeah, there is. It's weird. Yeah. I hope I we can be friends afterwards. I don't afterwards. think so. Well, that's up to you. Did you We're I, I never thought, so I've known that you're a Penguins fan since like day one because you just talk about it's like how you know that you ride bikes and eat donuts it's like part of your package do i often talk about eating donuts there really well damn uh, anyways so it's well known that you're a penguins fan and i never thought in a million years that our teams would like be it yeah Yeah. because the predators have never been the stanley cop they're all i think they're consistently good they have a huge fan base but this is just like never actually have a big fan base oh yeah uh, like honestly, like I'm out being there, serious. like you'll see. You never believe me when I tell you. Well, I, well, I hope there's a Preds a, fan listening. Well, no, but it's a unique team, and we we just don't see it out here. Yeah, you know what well, I'm saying. So it's we're closer to Colorado, so we see a lot of Avalanche. And yeah, we just don't see much Nashville or Tennessee teams in New Mexico. Right, and you know, I never see anything about New Mexico or like Arizona when I'm in Tennessee or Chicago or Illinois. Right. So it's like me. But but I was just thinking, especially in the South, hockey's not big. Well, and so that's what I mean. Like, do you see people like wearing shirts and oh, like yeah. fan gear? So if you were to drive through downtown Nashville, all the like light poles are, have like banners of the Predators, their hockey players. Um, today in Nashville is uh, Predators Day. Um, <laughs> is the it, mayor seriously? assigned it. Today's Predators Day. Today's June fifth. Yep, yep, it's um, Predators Day in Nashville. It the is mayor Predators declared. Day, and that they actually have a game on their day. Yeah. But they're going to lose on their own day. You know what? But what's so cool is I think no one expected... Well, you know, a lot of people have a lot of faith in the Predators. They're always consistently good. They always tend they tend to make the finals. They just never get very far. They're usually right, out in the, the first round. 
Um, five, yeah, playoffs, sorry. Um, and But people, oh, I think people get excited about just how far they've come. Um, I could see that. And, you know, in Nashville, there there's no professional team besides the Tennessee Titans, the football team. And, boy, they've been terrible for a real long time. Wait, do, do people not like them a little Do people not like the Titans? Yeah. No, I think people love the Titans. Um, I see. I would think they would have a bigger fan base. Yeah. Well, I think what's different for me is growing up in Nashville. So the Predators, I've been to way more Predators games than I have football games. And why is because the tickets were so much cheaper. Um, There's way more hockey games to go to than football games. So that's another thing. So there's always something to do. The other great thing about where the for me, for the Preds, is their um, arena where they play is downtown. So you could go to, um, you know, eat at a restaurant downtown, go to a hockey game, and then hit up all the honky-tonks, all the bars. It's, like, right in the middle of everything that's that's very Nashville. Um, And so it's easy to get tickets. It's easy, just something fun to do. You know, you may not get tickets to a Titans game or they're just super expensive. Right. I'm sure the Preds tickets are going to be very expensive next season. Oh, yeah. Now so that'll change. Yeah. But it's just the location of it. Um, yeah, I think that helps a lot. People just, I don't know, they like hockey there. They're, it's just. That's interesting. It's, it's Do you different. Know who just got expanded? What city's going to get another NHL team? I think next year or the following? I did not hear this, no. Take a guess. Is it. It's not here. I'd be uh, up in arms. I'd be excited. Is it Chicago? Is they already it? have one. Yeah, but yeah. expanding. <laughs> no, it's a city that does not have one. Oh, a city that does not have one. Yeah. Where do you think that the NHL would put a team? I was really surprised by this, actually. I have no idea. Is, is it in the South? Oh, I knew that. Damn. <laughs> I'm so, I feel bad that I missed that one. Yeah, it, no, I heard about that. It's interesting to me. Well... Have yeah, you been to Vegas? I've never been. I've been to the Las Vegas airport, and boy, let me tell you, that is like <laughs> a sad place. I will say that Vegas is very unique. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. But like walking down the strip or whatever the yeah the strip, mm-hmm. you hear so many different languages. Mm-hmm. Like people from all over the world go to Vegas. Yeah. and because when I, at first I was like, why would they have a hockey team? But a lot of uh, European countries like hockey. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, well, a lot of Europeans go to Vegas. It's like one mm-hmm. of those like places everyone wants to go to so i could kind of see it but it i wonder if it's just going to be very gimmicky yeah i mean in the middle of the desert i don't know it's i don't i don't think hockey is just for like cold weather places it's not what i'm saying but i think like i can't picture las vegas being a hockey town it's yeah can't picture it i can't either phoenix has a team they're not very good though right no, that doesn't. You mean people probably say the same thing about Nashville? It takes uh, well, a while Nashville's to build up in the Stanley Cup, so <laughs> yeah, I can just. Been around? <laughs> the Preds? Yeah. They've been around since I was in middle school, so. Oh, the... they really? I don't know why yeah. I thought they were such a new team. No. I think you don't know. I don't know because I only follow good teams, so. Well. Do you Google your Nashville Predator people? The team roster? Yeah. You're just like, I'm going to Google some Nashville Predators. Did you what? I bet you'll find some odd things. I did Google, because the captain of the Predators is married to Carrie Underwood, a famous country music singer. I'm blanking on his name right now. That's really bad. 
Mike what Fisher. Is Mike Fisher. Damn. I just I'm just like that. missing everything today. My you brain's said not it working. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, anyways, I think I've Googled him. Mike Fisher. They were founded in 1998. Yeah. They've been around a lot longer than I was expecting. Mm hmm. Interesting. Well, I hope my team beats your team. Ah, I hope not. Rabble, rabble. I hope not. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, either tonight, way. So tonight is Predators, official Predators Day in Nashville, and it is the fourth game mm-hmm. of this Stanley Cup playoff. And right now it's 2-1 to one with Pittsburgh winning. Mm-hmm. So this could be a big uh, turning point. Yeah. They could either tie the series or be really playing catch-up. Yeah. I'm, no matter what happens... I'm not trying to sound like I've been a defeatist already, but like so proud of the Preds and Nashville. No, it's awesome. Um, it's just a wonderful city, a wonderful team. They have great fans. I think this would really help expand their fan base. It's just one of those teams. That, any of the newer teams? Yeah. It, I guess that's, wow, that's like 20 years? Mm-hmm. 98? Even that was just 10 years ago. Even 20 years seems these, a lot of newer teams just aren't popular in the NHL. They like these older original six teams and stuff. Yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to see some people. I also feel like the NHL is a dying sport, though, unfortunately. Yeah, that's why it's I was telling you. It's hard to watch it now, major TV and everything. I think it's so good that the Preds are in the Stanley Cup because you've got an underdog story here. You've got people maybe in the south um, or the southern region of the U.S. who wouldn't normally watch hockey, maybe getting into it because the Preds are close by, something like that. Um, and it's exciting because, you know, all right, we get it. The Blackhawks are good or, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But but whatever. This is something new. This is something exciting. You know, hockey hasn't seen that in a while, I don't think. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's the same few teams that win year after year. It's, that's true. And, and, and Pittsburgh won last year. And I right. also was surprised they made it again this year. And in places like Pittsburgh and Chicago, where you have that huge fan base, and you're really not expanding outside of that city, I wouldn't think. I don't know for sure, though. Obviously. I want you to know that I'm Googling you right now. Are you? Okay. You're an actress? Oh, a bunch of really weird stuff comes up. There's some, like, um, anime person. And you're, you're trying to say that is not you? That is definitely not me. Are you sure? You know what comes up a lot with your name now? What's that? <laughs> I'm being serious. Oh, no. a lot. It's this podcast. Oh, does it really? <laughs> You're, oh, it's that's like unfortunate. Oh, gosh. It's it like, really? It's you probably know what's a, like, so many hits now. Odd moment is when I realize that people are Googling me and like listening to what I'm doing or reading about me. It's like, I don't, I don't think about the other end of it. You're on here a lot. You're also on here from some stuff from the city. Oh, really? Yeah. I need to Google myself again. I think you really should. <laughs> There's also a YouTube video at a holiday party. Oh, that's... I'm not in that. That's just I'm tagged in it. Okay, that's like I'm from all... <laughs> that's like from college. I worked at the library. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> this is a video from the library? Yeah, I think it's like a library Christmas party. Someone played acoustic guitar. That is an acoustic guitar. Yeah. You're right. And someone just tagged me in the photo. I didn't even It sounds go... a lot better for like, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. It's a video from college no. that everyone would watch. No. Like, like, what is this? This oh, is so library. much more. This is like the... It's embarrassing in a different way. 
I didn't even go to that party. That's what's so messed up. <laughs> and they tagged you in it, and now all of the world, now, they Google you, comes up with this video. And they were like, what, would, what did Jen do in college? Oh, she worked at the library and went to library parties. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so bad? It's not, but it doesn't make me sound very cool either. Do you want me to tell you what? So if you look, if you Google your name in videos, and I just did Jin, the first one's a holiday party. Do you know mm-hmm. what the second one is? No. <laughs> and I'd like you to explain this one. Okay. Oh God, this Girl is... gang member filmed shaving teen's head saying she was just trying. Oh. Do you want to talk about what you did Have to this poor kid in your gang time? No comment. <laughs> Are you done with being in a gang, Jin? This is I what couldn't I was even name a gang. Well... I guess I could name two gangs. What what two gangs? Aren't there red ones and blue ones? The Crips <laughs> and the... Is Crip different from blood? Yeah. Those okay. Are two, <laughs> wow, Jen. Uh, I can tell your I knowledge of gangs come like, from movies. Is there a gang department at <laughs> the police department? Yeah, we have a... Uh, a gang unit? We do have a gang unit. I should probably go, like, not not do a ride-along, but just be like, can you... I will tell you, they me? were the first... Law enforcement this department that you're like, who are those guys? Oh, that was the gang unit. Yeah, that was the gang unit. Oh, okay. I thought they were you, like undercover you, narcotics or something. Yeah, you thought that they were amateur like WWF wrestlers. They came. They was like these white guys with corn rolls and like yeah, uh, like wrestling shirts on. I was like, who are these people? I hope oh, they don't Jim, listen. They I probably don't. They do. <laughs> I'm gonna send this to you right now and a link to your Google. Wow. Well, Jen, I think everyone now knows that, that I'm addicted to Instagram and that you're on Instagram but won't let anyone see your pictures. That also, you Google stock people. I do. It's my thing. Yeah. Well, enjoy the next uh, portion, which will be a lecture on the CIT Knowledge Network. Again, it's free and open to any of you guys in public safety. Come on, staff some cases, and, and listen to lectures and have input. We'd appreciate it. If you guys have any questions, you can always send it to me at ask at gocit.org. And if you want to know more about the CIT Knowledge Network or to get access, email J-E-A-R-H-E-A-R-T at C-A-B-Q.gov. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Great. So we're going to talk about anxiety disorders today. And there are actually a ton of different anxiety disorders. So I thought we might just talk about a a couple of um, uh, types of anxiety out there. and one that's, that's, I think, good to talk about um, is, and to start with, is, is this idea of panic, panic attacks, <clears throat> panic disorders. And um, you know, we can go through what the definition of them is. Some of you may have experienced a panic attack, um, and some of you may have experienced something that you called a panic attack that isn't a panic attack. Um, so the way that it's defined an actual panic attack is this very abrupt surge of intense fear that within minutes you are overwhelmed by fear or dread and you have to have four other, um, symptoms and there, there are 13 you can have, you can have like palpitations or your heart is racing right? You can get really sweaty. Um, you can have a tremor or shake a lot. You can have this uh, sense that you're short of breath or that you're, you're being smothered or that you can't breathe. <clears throat> you can feel like you're choking, even if there's not something around your neck. You can have chest pain. Uh, you can get nauseous. 
You can feel kind of dizzy or lightheaded. You can get chills or heat. Um, you can get tingling in your hands. We call these paresthesias. This is usually a result of hyperventilation of, from the shortness of breath where your hands start to tingle. <coughs> you can get um, dissociative symptoms where you feel derealization. You feel like the world around you isn't real or depersonalization. You feel like you're not real. Um, this fear of losing control, and this is the only place where I use the word crazy because it's in the DSM, or fear that you're going crazy, or fear that you're dying. So when I ask patients this question to screen if they've had a panic attack, I don't say, have you ever had a panic attack? I say, have you ever had one of these total freak out panic attacks where you are immobilized by fear or dread? So essentially, when somebody's having a panic attack, they can't function. Now, they may be freaking out and moving. It's not that they necessarily fall into a heap, but some people will fall into a heap. So they're, they're so overwhelmed that they're, they can't do anything. Comes on really quickly, usually lasts in that intensity no more than, certainly no more than like 15 minutes generally. Generally, it lasts about five to seven minutes. Now, they might still feel kind of shaky and on edge, for up to a half hour or an hour afterwards, but that super intense panic right then. Now, and, and I'm guessing that in, in your line of duty that you see this happening to people, right? Anything can bring on a panic attack. Um, a near life situation, as they say in Fight Club, or a near death situation, right? So an accident, um, an assault, um, a mugging, um, witnessing violence. Uh, have you guys seen this in, in people? And, and what what was it like to interact with them? What did you notice? What did you observe? Anybody had experience with this? You come upon somebody and they are having a panic attack. What are they acting like? I got one. Yeah, Randy. Randy Sanchez, Rue County. Um, former life before law enforcement, still kind of former life, but also paramedic. Uh, a 16-year-old in a complete panic attack. Um, we couldn't calm her down. We couldn't get her. She was hyperventilating, waiting for her to essentially hyperventilate herself to the point that she was going to pass out. That never happened. Right. Uh, we ended up having to call for... Uh, Valium orders to start sedating her. She just, she had no control over her breathing function, her pacing, anything like that. Okay, good. So she's breathing really fast. She's pacing. She can't, and you say she has no control, right? She can't control it. And she probably also, if she could verbalize it at the point, might have said, I can't control this, right? She might not have been able to speak at the time because she's so overwhelmed. Short, but that's you know, criteria. Two sentence words. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to just coach her to slow her breathing down, and and zero, no changes at all. Right, right, perfect. That's a perfect example. So, and that that lack of control is the main theme here, and that's actually what we target when we when we have a therapeutic intervention. So, um, Matt. 
Is there a difference between someone being in shock and panic attack? Because I'm thinking about like car crashes. Sure. Had people that are just, you know, you might have just witnessed a car crash, so you pulled over on the freeway, and it's from this one lady was just sobbing, like uncontrollably, couldn't talk to her, right, and was just shaking, and it right. took a while. So it's a good question. So, so that is is especially if she had these kind of four criteria, right? That she there's probably a panic attack. When we say shock. In, in, in medical parlance, we usually mean physiological shock, which means that you have um, an infection throughout all your bloodstream and you're dying, or you've lost too much blood and you're dying. Um, but emotional shock is usually causes a panic attack. Absolutely. Okay. So crying isn't one of the symptoms, right? But did she fear that she was dying or going crazy? Did right. she feel out of control? What, you know? Was she breathing hard and the shaking? Yes. You know, so that's a panic attack. That's a panic attack. So things can cause panic attack. Um, and just because you have a panic attack does not mean that you have a diagnosis, right? It just means that your nervous system uh, got overwhelmed because something freaked you out. And it could be something you can identify or not even necessarily. It was something that's an actual threat or just that your body interpreted as a threat. In that latter category, anybody ever tried snorkeling and started to get panicky? It's very common. Anybody ever put a snorkel on, go into the water, and it's hard to breathe? Anybody had that? Your body's like, something's wrong here. Something, right? There's nothing wrong. Totally safe. But your body starts freaking out. So this can happen. It becomes a diagnosis. When, when two things happen, one is that it causes problems, right? So if you're, you know, you were just in a car accident and you have a panic attack and then it never happens again, it's not causing a problem. You're just reacting to that situation. You didn't cause it. So if it causes a problem, uh, for instance, you go to school and have this, you're out of work because you have this, you have a panic attack while you're driving and you crash your car, you know, seriously dangerous, seriously dangerous. The other way, the other thing that's needed for it to become <clears throat> its own diagnosis of what we call panic disorder is that you start having panic attacks out of the blue. So some people will have panic attacks even regularly, and they're always caused by something. Every time I see my dad who sexually abused me, or if I see anybody who looks like him, or if I smell somebody's wearing the cologne he wore, I have a panic attack, right? Probably that person has PTSD and they're having panic symptoms. It's not, it's a panic disorder. It's a panic disorder <clears throat> if they start having panic attacks without any cues. There's no predictability. I'm just having them. I'm just having them. And I'm so afraid of having them now that I'm, I'm, I just don't go outside. I don't answer my door, right? And their life becomes more and more concentrated. So, it's, so they're, they're not functioning as much. That's panic disorder. Now, Randy referred to, I had to get a call for a benzodiazepine, Valium, to, to chill her out. Um, you can do that. Medicines can help with panic attacks. And, and there are medicines that can help to prevent panic attacks too. So, <clears throat> and so like a benzodiazepine chills things down. So does alcohol, right? Benzodiazepines and alcohol are the exact same thing to the brain. So this is sometimes a reason why people will drink. 
um, is, is because they have a panic attack. And maybe if they're feeling a little on edge and panicky and they just have a drink, maybe it doesn't become a problem. If they're feeling anxious a lot of the time and they end up drinking a lot of the time, now they can develop an alcohol problem that was kind of grew out of their trying to control their panic symptoms. It's fairly common. Um, <clears throat> benzodiazepines work. There's also a little psychological thing with benzodiazepines. Like some benzodiazepines can take up to 20 minutes to start working, which means that they probably start working after the panic attack has subsided. And so sometimes what people can do is program themselves. There are some people who just carrying a pill and just knowing that they have something can actually help to prevent their panic attacks. Because again, they feel in control. But when we don't have a medicine, um, techniques that we can do to help people. Now they're tough if somebody's pan is so wrapped up in their panic attack that they can't listen to us. So we want to get their attention. It's just like CIT stuff, right? We want to try to use their name and we want to use very kind of simple commands and, and ask them to look at us, right? We want them to focus on us because they're focused on, I, I'm out of control, I'm out of control, I'm dying, I'm going crazy, I'm out of control. So, you know, hey, Miss Johnson, hey, can you look at me? Just like we do in, in de-escalation techniques. Can you look at me? Right? We want to get their attention and try to hold it. It may go away and then we just need to be, be patient and bring it back. Generally, what we want to do is ground people. This idea of grounding um, is just kind of coming into the moment, getting out of our thoughts and out of our head. And there are a couple great ways to do that. One uh, way a guy at the VA taught me. When he would dissociate, and I mean, this guy, this was like 2009, he would wake up and it was 1973. He was just, he was... He was like, I, I, I got to get to work. Where's the bus? Wow. And then, and he taught us what worked for him is that we would take him outside. This was in our residential program here at our VA. We take him out, out onto the grounds and take his shoes off. And if he could, if we could get his shoes off and he could feel the ground and the grass through his toes, our toes, our feet, bottom of our feet are super sensitive. That's why we're ticklish there. You know, unless we have diabetes, we, our nerves are dead. That, that, that lots of sensation that's away from his head would kind of bring him out of it. So we would say, feel the grass. Can you feel the ground in your toes, right? It's grounding. It's literally grounding because we're talking about the ground here. And that was enough to bring his focus to where he was. And he would, over a couple minutes, kind of start to take stock and be like, oh, I'm at the VA. What year is this? It's 2009. Whoa. You know, but he was calmed down. And he was kind of grounded from that. Another way that you can ground people is you can ask them to identify things that are in their visual field around them. So this would be harder with somebody who's blind. <clears throat> um, but that's probably a rarer situation. So, you know, like, hey, you know, asking people to name things. You know, hey, can you just, can we, can you name these things around me? You know, what is this? And point to your radio. Can you say what this is? Hold up your pen. What, what is this right here? Can you help me remember what this is called? Oh, that's a pen. And when we can start to get them to identify things around them, again, we're getting them out of their head and, and they're focusing. These are techniques that can help. <clears throat> of course, we can also try to help 
people to regulate their breathing, right? Hey, can, let's take some slow, deep breaths. Now, if you just tell somebody, take some deep breaths, it probably will not work. Slow your breathing, right? Um, that might freak them out more. I have found that this only works if I do the breathing with them. And, and I try to breathe really loudly and really like visibly when I do. And I'm doing that because I'm trying to like really um, get them to, to, to play along and to do it. I've been in situations where people are so panicky that they're not willing to do that. Right. They're, they're kind of not able to do that. And it's tough. And it, it, these techniques don't work in every situation, but they work in a lot of situations, which is especially helpful if we don't have meds or if we're having to wait for that. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, same thing with CIT um, techniques. We want to try and keep our space a little bit and keep our distance a bit. A, because if somebody is like freaking out, right, if they reach out to us for help and we think that they're going to reach for our weapon, then that might lead us down a road that, that we don't want to go. And that might not have been their intention or it might have even been their intention, right, that they're so freaked out. But they do something like that. So keeping our distance is good. Plus, we don't crowd them, right? If they feel like they're not that they can't breathe, if we get too close, that will probably add to that sense of claustrophobia. Um, so we want to keep our distance, calm, slow speaking. I really have to force myself to kind of be a slow, calm speaker in these situations because we want to. Our our physiology tries to mirror theirs, and we get a little ramped up ourselves. So we really have to work on keeping ourselves calm when somebody's having a panic attack in front of us. Um, <clears throat> so that's panic. Uh, we can also give reassurance this will end. And this is helpful for any of us that ever have a panic attack. It will end. Nobody dies from panic attacks. You might feel like you're dying. Nobody dies. Um, and it's time limited. What we actually do what I do um, kind of as a, as, as a therapist, when I want to help somebody learn how to master panic, is I actually teach them how to have panic attacks. And I encourage you to try this. Take a straw, a normal straw, and breathe through it for 90 seconds. Time yourself and see how far you can get. You might be able to get to 90. You might get to 40 and start feeling like you're crawling out of your skin, like you're suffocating, your heart rate's going, you're sweating. So when people are having panic attacks all the time, again, it's this idea like, I can't control this, I'm out of control. And we actually teach them you can control. So we teach them about panic, it's time limited, it's gonna go away, you're not gonna die. And then we have, I have them have a panic attack with me. And I, I help them come down from it. And once they see that that can happen, that they made it happen, then I say, and, and I suggest that they practice this three times a day. They give themselves panic attacks. And it's the most effective treatment we have for panic. This is called interoceptive exposure therapy. It's exposing ourselves to our own internal discomfort. And, and panic attack frequency drops off significantly when people are willing to do this. Now, if shortness of breath is their main symptom, Breathing through the straw is an awesome way to do it. If a high heart rate and or shortness of breath is what triggers them, I'll have them do jumping jacks. 
or go up and down a flight of stairs a few times to, to get their symptoms going and then they have a, a panic attack and we work from that. If dizziness is what does it, I have them spin around or sit in a chair and we spin the chair. And again, bring on the panic attack. I see Nick trying this. How's it going, Nick? Right? I mean, it brings us on. And this is, again, if, if you've ever snorkeled, snorkeling is a much bigger airspace than, than a straw. And still, every time I first go into the water with a snorkel, I have to come back up and catch my breath and then psych myself out and, and go in and do it again. And it's just your body responding. <clears throat> so that's panic. Any questions about panic? Panic attack, how to approach them in the field, what to do, what not to do. <clears throat> Try some of these techniques. Try the straw thing. It's pretty cool. Um, Nick's a pro at it. He's, he's going to show us all how long he can go. He's breathing through his nose. He's just trying to make that cool. <laughs> he's just trying to look cool. See? He's just trying to be smooth. On <laughs> Good. Um, the other, you know, another anxiety disorder that causes a lot of problems um, for people, and I wonder how much it causes problems for you guys, is obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, so I'm just curious, does this come up much? For you guys, or do you ever suspect this? Or, <clears throat> for example, are you ever interacting with somebody and they they refuse to comply with one of your orders, but but it might be they might not explain themselves, but it kind of doesn't make sense why they would refuse to do that. Like, could it be about because it's about germs uh, that they don't want to touch something, or? that they need to have a symmetrical action um, and you've asked them to do something asymmetrical. Um, does this ever come up? I can bring up an, a, an example of that. Go for it, Lawrence. I took a call where the lady was suicidal and so we went into her house and uh, she, had, she had overdosed on pills. Her house was impeccably perfect. I don't, not anything wrong with it at all. We cleared it so that rescue could come in. They came in and they started treating her and one of them pulled off, I don't know, some kind of a piece of paper off something and I saw it fall to the ground. And she was answering questions until that happened and then she just stared at it. Huh. She would not talk, she wouldn't. And so they started wondering, well, is she going down? And I bent over and picked that up and threw it in the trash can and she started answering questions. Interesting, yeah. So, um... So OCD is super interesting, and it's not something that usually gets people to go into the hospital, although it can become that profound. Um, so it's got these two parts, obsessions and compulsions, right? And an obsession is a thought that produces anxiety, and it needn't make any sense at all. And it's usually based on some sort of a rule, though that rule need not make any sense at all. And the rule can be like a moral rule, a symmetrical rule, a numerical rule. So for example, I saw a guy two weeks ago who, if he's sitting in a room, like there was this, this piece of paper on my printer and it had some words on it. 
And because the words, the, the number of letters in the words were not divisible by three, he couldn't focus on what I was talking about. It was so consuming to him because things have to be in, in, in threes, divisible by three or three itself. Otherwise, it just bugs him. Makes no sense, right? <clears throat> Makes no sense. Um, uh, and so, and it causes this anxiety and it's time consuming and it feels excessive. So that's an obsession. And there are lots of different flavors of these. A compulsion is either a thought or a behavior that neutralizes the anxiety that was caused by the obsession. And it need not make any sense at all. So for example, let's say that I have a fear that somebody is going to come in and, um, and uh, not only kill my dog, but like put the dog's blood all over everywhere. And that's just like a, a grotesque, um, horrible idea to me. Obsessions are usually these totally unpleasant, reviling, um, uh, horrible ideas that, that people want to escape. So I, I keep on having this vision. Somebody's going to come into my house and they're going to kill my dogs and put blood everywhere. And it's just going to be horrible, right? So that might be an obsession. It would be an obsession if I can't get this idea out of my head. It's an intrusive idea that I keep having all throughout the day, like substantial amount of time during the day as part of the definition. And it just bugs me. So then a compulsion might be that I lock my door 17 times before I leave. Because I have this feeling that if I lock it 17 times, nobody's going to break into my house and kill my dog and put their blood everywhere. Right? It doesn't make sense. Well, that's not real. Right? right? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it feels so real to me that I do it. And again, a compulsion becomes a problem if it's so time consuming that it gets in the way of your, of, right? Like I'm late to work because I locked it and then I left. And then I got in the car and I was like, oh man, did I only do it 16 times? I don't know. I got to go back and do it again. I got to make sure it's right. Right. I've known people who take a picture of their garage door every day that they leave and then and their back door and their front door so that they don't stop coming back home from work because they feared that they hadn't left one of them open. So their camera's full of these pictures, three pictures every single day. Right. It's a compulsive behavior to neutralize this obsession. <clears throat> and, um, and so they need not make sense. And it's, and the problem with it is that it's reinforcing, right? So let's say that you have this fear of, of HIV because HIV is, is not good and, and, and it's in the news and, oh my gosh, that would be horrible. I don't want that disease. I don't want AIDS. And so you get the idea that, well, you know, maybe if you don't know how HIV is transmitted, I don't want to get HIV from a public toilet. I don't, I don't want, you know, it's too risky. It feels risky. It's all emotional reasoning. So I'm obsessed with this idea, this fear of getting HIV because it's bothersome to me and it's intrusive. And then now I want to avoid public restrooms because I don't want to get HIV there. Right. So that could clearly get in the way of your functioning. Right. I go to a business lunch. And I got to go to the bathroom. I'm uncomfortable the whole time. I can't concentrate or I make an excuse to leave, to go home, to use the restroom. And then what happens? I do this for a week. I do this for a month. 
and I don't have HIV. It worked. Right? This is why it's reinforcing. This avoidance behaviors kind of reinforce themselves because sometimes they, they seem like they work, even though it, there's no connection. And so that's why it can get worse and worse and worse. We can develop OCD-like symptoms without having OCD just through kind of magical thinking, right? And some of it we kind of reward, right? You're in a, you're on, in a, a professional baseball team and you win a game, I'm not washing those socks, right? That'll ruin everything. I'm gonna not wash these socks. It's magical thinking. It's kind of like a compulsive behavior, but it's not the full thing of OCD. Well, with that in mind, what's the difference? Because I feel like we create obsessive stuff in law enforcement and just a profession. Exactly. So it gets back to this difference between OCPD, the obsessive compulsive personality disorder, and OCD. So for example, so the difference is, and most of us kind of misuse these terms. They say, oh, I'm so OCD. We really mean I'm so OCPD. OCPD, the obsessive compulsive personality disorder, is where somebody has a lot of rigid rules that work for them, right? So if you do things a certain way and you're able to say, I do it this way because it works for me. It's the most efficient way, right? This is the way that gets things done. This Even is, if it's not valid. This like, is the way that like I was taught. Stuff. Well, well, so that, okay, so with the sports stuff, is it, is, if it's not causing a problem, it's not OCD. To be a, a disorder in the DSM, it has to cause a problem, right? Uh -huh. If they don't wash their socks, you know, their life is not falling apart. They're still making $20 million a year, right? <laughs> right? And they still have this job as a professional baseball player. Not a problem. Maybe they get athlete's foot and they got to use the spray, right. but like not a big problem with their functioning. Okay. Um, and that would be more OCD? That's, no, that's just a quirk. Okay. It's not a diagnosis. It's just a quirk. OCPD is where if I'm so rigid in how, in all my rules, and that's not causing a problem, but somebody else wants to come and let's say cohabitate with me, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, we're fighting every day about how to load the dishwasher. The cups go on the right and the plates go on the left. And, and this is the, this is the most, cause, cause it's efficient how you do, cause the, the cups go here when we put them away. And, and then we fight about that because, oh my God, you, you, you did the dishwasher, you loaded the dishwasher the wrong way. And now I'm going to have to redo it. Right. It works and it makes sense. That's OCPD. The personality disorders all are disorders because they cause problems getting along with people. They're interpersonal problems. Okay. But you can have OCPD and it's just like, this is, these are all my systems and this is how it works. And as long as nobody tries to change that, not a problem. There's nothing good about OCD. OCD is torture. OCD is, I keep having these visions of my dogs being murdered and blood being streaked on my walls all day long. And I keep doing this thing because to try and prevent it from happening with the locks, it serves no purpose and it does no good. Uh, there's nothing good about OCD, um, which is why it sucks. OCPD can help you be more efficient. 
OCPD can help you be organized. OCD just drains your self-esteem, <clears throat> gets in the way of your ability to function, gets in the way of you feeling comfortable in situations, um, and has no positives to it at all. It does not help you be more efficient, quite the opposite. Um, and it can be tough to treat. We treat it with, uh, with medicines and therapy. The therapy is exposure therapy, right? We, we, we don't know how to take away obsessive thoughts, right? One way is you can try to embrace this idea of just like, okay, so you have that concern of somebody coming into your house and killing your dogs and putting blood all over the walls, you know, and sit with that and try not to avoid it. But really what we, but that's, that's harder to get after. What we can do is expose people to the discomfort of not doing the compulsions, right? So how about you lock the door once and walk to the end of your driveway and come back? Did anybody break into your house and kill your dogs? No, okay. Next step, we do it in a graded fashion. Lock your door once and walk halfway down the block and come back. Did anybody kill your dogs? And then the whole block, and you slowly kind of do this. Now you hope that nobody breaks into their house while they're trying to kill them. Because that screws up the whole thing, right? But same thing, when people have, have obsessions about getting infected with things or being dirty, you know, we get them dirty. Obviously, like with safety. So we, we, we would have somebody go into, <clears throat> first just think about going into a public restroom, and we teach them how to calm down. And then we might open the door and look in teach them how to calm down, then take one step in, then actually go in, touch the sink and not wash your hands immediately. We wouldn't have them lick the toilet or anything ridiculous, right? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, just normal exposures, normal exposures <laughs> to try and overcome this. Now, there are some people who, um, again, because it's reinforcing and some people kind of, you know, you, you can you can get attention for this and you can get, you can avoid obligations. So sometimes people aren't willing to really overcome it. And that's very difficult if they're not willing to challenge themselves. We use medicines, we use the serotonin medicines, the, the antidepressants, and those can work somewhat. Um, there, how, there are cases where somebody, people will get brain surgery for OCD, if you can believe it or not. We take out something called the caudate nucleus. This is not common. <clears throat> And, um, and I've, met, I've met maybe two people who have had this done. It's very rare. I've never suggested it to anybody. Um, and I've talked people out of it. Um, and usually those are people who are really, they're not trying to stop their compulsive behaviors. Um, and yet they're really struggling with this. They're just not willing to. This is a procedure in the United States? Absolutely. It's like lobotomy. It's, yeah, I mean, it's in the sense that it's a brain surgery. It's not the lobotomy. Right, but they're literally removing part of their brain. Part of their brain that is overactive in, in this OCD. And there are people who, who get relief from it. Wow. It's just an extremely drastic measure, and it's just not, you know, thankfully it's not commonly done. Um, most people don't need that. But so that's OCD. Um, so if somebody, you know, is ever not complying you know, it's something I guess to think about kind of, is there a reason why they're not, or if somebody says like, you know, Hey, you did this to this side. Can you do this to the other side? Picking up on this, if, if they have a, a, an obsession about symmetry, um, you know, if, if, if it's a small thing, 
and it's easily indulged, that might calm them down. Is is kind of why I bring it up. <clears throat> um, obviously, you know, if somebody's saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't have those handcuffs on because, you know, somebody else had them on. I don't want to get infected." You got to put handcuffs on. You got to put them on. Um, you can't indulge everything. Um, but if it's minor, you know, it might not be. It, it, it might help the situation. It's probably rare. No, that you just brought that up with that. If if people are living with this, yeah, and they say these odd things to us, like I don't. Well, I heard you do. You ratcheted the cuff on the right three times, and only two on the other. I wanted three. Yeah. If we ask somebody why is that, are they going to be forthcoming? Good because question. that that could almost look like someone's wanting to slip a cuff or something. It's a great question. So I think it's worth asking them why and see if they can. But in this diagnosis, we have a qualifier that we put on the diagnosis, OCD with insight and OCD without insight. <clears throat> there are some people who, are, who have bad OCD and they're doing all these things and they, they've not put it together. Mm -hmm. They've not figured out that this is OCD. Um, and they have a poorer prognosis, as you can imagine, because they can't identify what needs to be addressed. They can't identify that this is excessive what they're doing. It just feels so right. And they're purely going operating on kind of emotional reasoning. Right. Um, but if they can, you know, say that, hey, you know, it, it's, it's not the same. And it, I feel better if it's the same. I mean, that'd be great. That'd be great. That's why it's important to teach people about OCD when we diagnose it so that we can improve their insight because really they need to learn how to moderate their own um, compulsive behaviors. Also, uh, you don't have to have both obsessions and compulsions. Some people just have obsessions. Some people just have compulsions. And then most people have both. Another weird thing, and it's not in the diagnosis, um, but it's part of OCD is that these people can also have ticks. Ticks are fairly um, common with OCD. Um, so like the guy with the, with the, who needed things divisible by three, he, he thought for years he had Tourette's and people said he had Tourette's and, and he does not have Tourette's. He has OCD, but giving him that diagnosis and explaining to him, these ticks are part of OCD, um, I think was helpful to him. And then plus you could put them on the right, you know, treatment. Could you describe or demonstrate what that might look like? <laughs> what a tick is. So a tick is a controllable behavior that's repetitive and doesn't really make sense again. Uh, it's controllable in that you can you can stop it if you try, you know, as opposed to like a kind of a being spastic or something like that. Um, and usually doing so relieves some sort of like a feeling of anxiety. Uh, so, for example, um, holding your breath and then tapping your toes either a certain number of times before you can breathe again or tapping your toes until you just tap it what feels like the right way so that you can breathe again. That's a tick. Other ticks can be like squinching your eyes or winking your eyes, and it can be either a certain number of times or until it just feels right. Mm -hmm. And you can say, don't tick. Hold your tick. Don't do that. People can stop doing that, but it, yeah. it bugs them. It starts to build up like an itch. The worst thing you can do with somebody with ticks from OCD or Tourette's is send them to a Tourette's support group. 
because they're looking around and they're seeing all these other ticks and they start, <laughs> oh man, that, and they start doing them. You can adopt ticks. The more you talk about really? ticks, the more they come on. It's just something in the wiring of the brain that, that's this kind of reinforced activity. Um, you can have vocal ticks. So one type is clearing your throat. Um, uh, you know, we can just clear our throat, but people with ticks will commonly clear their throat. The breathing thing is a big one. Um, certain movements, it can be tapping um, or like, like turning the head or tilting the head. Um, there are also vocal ticks that could be making like humming sounds or saying certain words. You know, the famous things like with Tourette's are this coprolalia where people, you know, will say like, fuck, you know, or, or like say these kind of expletives that are, that are ticks themselves. Those are actually not that common, um, but they can happen. Um, <clears throat> and same thing with ticks. We tell people, we teach them how to modulate. You can control this. You know, when you feel it coming on, try to modulate it. And if they can't, then actually we use antipsychotics to treat ticks, believe it or not, which is a, a bit extreme. We use Haldol. Really? It's not psychosis, but, but that dopamine is, is part, it's part of the dopamine reinforcing circuit. And so we, we block dopamine. Yeah. But most people don't have their ticks medicated. We just teach them how to modulate it or explain to people, this is what I'm doing. And sometimes they're not that apparent. Right. Sometimes just people that are around them, you know, like, hey, you hum when you talk or, or you hum when you eat. You know, no, I'm not humming. It's a sub-vocalization.